Welcome to University Autism and You, the podcast designed to support your university journey, the decisions, choices and challenges you might face along the way. Throughout this podcast series, we'll be hearing from a diverse range of current university students about their experiences, thoughts and impressions. And we're your hosts. I'm Scott. And I'm Freya. And we're based at Cardiff University and run outreach programmes for autistic people. In this episode, we're joined by Ian, who is currently studying at Cardiff University. We're going to discuss settling in and making the most of the university experience. So welcome Ian and thanks for coming on the podcast. Could you introduce yourself? Hello, my name's Ian. I've been in Cardiff for four years and I'm on the final year of a three-year course. I've been working with Widening Participation as an ambassador for the last year. I've been a bit of a butterfly. I've done work with First Campus. I've done work with Discovery, Step Up and Pathways to Law. So I've met a lot of people. I do a lot of autism advocacy. I've done youth work in local youth centres back home in Surrey. And I have three to four, depending on how you want to count it, autistic family members. So as well as being autistic myself, so I'm quite familiar with everything. Thanks, Ian. And first of all, we wanted to ask you what made you decide to come to university and to study law? So studying law and coming to university was kind of a two-factor decision. The first was that my mother worked with a lot of high-profile clients, mainly in childcare, and I got to meet some of them. One of them was a barrister. For the people who don't know, that's um, essentially the people you see in court who do all the talking. And I really looked up to him and decided that that was something that interested me. So I started looking at it. Around the same time, I was in a car accident and there was some difficulties around getting any sort of support or compensation. And so that led to me looking into a lot of tort law and looking into a lot of legal stuff. And so these two factors combined made me decide that I wanted to do law and and wanted to be a barrister. And to do to become a barrister, uh, you have to have a law degree or a regular degree with a conversion. But I decided to do a law degree. And yeah, I thought I I wanted to go to university. And also there's lots of articles, you can find them online. Uh, there's a, quite a good one by uh, Julie Dragon uh, about uh, the strengths that neurodiversity can bring to the legal professions. And so I wanted to kind of throw my hat in the ring and uh, hopefully make a contribution. That's really cool. And we'll get the link for that article and we'll put it in the description of the episode. So if you want to check it out, then you'll be able to. What did you see or what did you experience as the main challenges of coming to university? So there were quite a few kind of things that that resulted in in challenges. The first was sort of um, was uh, homesickness. Uh, I grew up in quite a big family home with a lot of stuff going on. There was never never really a dull moment. So it was a bit odd being in a flat with five other students and being alone and not really having all that noise and all that activity to kind of drive you forward. So that was something I had to get used to. This tied with kind of, um, I have quite bad executive dysfunction, so I'm not very good at planning things and sticking to routine. So trying to then build a routine on your own, which is basically the biggest skill you'll gain at university, is trying to make sure you, you budget everything in and make sure you do it. That was very difficult for me in the first term. Uh, to make sure that I had enough time to get all my work done, but also to to stop and smell the roses and enjoy things. I also kind of struggled with a lot of guilt at not 
doing enough not feeling like i was doing everything i could you know whether or not it was it was going out and trying to make new friends trying to trying to get more work and extracurriculars done trying to join too many societies i stretched myself too thin and ended up kind of having to scale back and and reevaluate and deciding that you know this is the stuff that i can handle and this is stuff that i think i need to kind of put on the back burner so trying to juggle all the things i wanted to do was was very difficult and lastly there was obviously the big one which is managing your own finance having that money in your bank account and trying to figure out uh, what to do with it and how it needs to be spent and the cost of your bills and things that was quite a big shock for me was the cost of water and gas and electric and things these things i'd i'd never really thought about until now but yeah also then trying to make sure that i had weekly budgets and making excel spreadsheets and and lots of things like that which you know it was difficult but it it was all definitely worth it I know that kind of going through those challenges is kind of part of the university experience in that way of potentially signing up to too many societies because you want to get involved and then realizing actually you don't have the time for it or you need to scale back a bit. You're stretching yourself too thin, like you said. Do you feel like going through that process has helped you figure out what your boundaries are and given you the perspective on how to manage your time effectively by going through and maybe signing up to too much or struggling to build that routine initially and that you've benefited from figuring that out at university. Yeah, definitely. It was a lot of energy management that I I had a lot of help with and kind of, you know, there's, there's, you know, spoon theory and having enough spoons to get certain things done. There was energy management theory. That can be really helpful because being on your own, it's the first time you really get to grasp with what your limits are as an autistic, you know, what's going to push you into meltdowns, what stuff you can bear for a little while, but you'll need time to recover, what stuff you can kind of get your sea legs on and get used to. It was a really good experience because even though it meant that I pushed a lot of boundaries and sometimes pushed too hard, it's been the first time in my life where I've got to really figure that out for myself. And it's given me a much better in-depth understanding of my autism and what I can deal with compared to you know what I think I could deal with or what I should be able to deal with. And that combined with managing your time, making sure you've got enough breaks in, making sure you've got time to sort of breathe and make sure you don't get too kind of overexerted and kind of you know push yourself into meltdowns it's a really good experience as an autistic to learn what your life's going to be like in the adult world with autism but also having that safe environment in which to learn it yeah I think that would be comforting for a lot of our listeners to hear that and know that the experience might push the boundaries at some points but you can learn from that and hopefully come back stronger basically yeah, I agree with you, Freya. And I think sometimes we we talk about university as something that is really exciting and something that we should feel really positive about. And it is those things. But I think it's really good to be honest about the challenges that we might face when we go to university as well. So I think, Ian, hearing about the challenges that you've had, and actually what strikes me about what you were saying is I'm not sure it only applies to autistic students or to neurodiverse students, but I think neurotypical students probably could also relate to that. And it'll be a sliding scale for everyone. But it's really good to talk about those challenges so that people can prepare for it and put in place 
any mechanisms of support that they might need. So, so thanks for sharing it with us. And we've actually spoken on the podcast before in episode four about the support available at university. And there's lots which can make it difficult to know who to speak to and what support is there. So I think if anyone's listening and thinking it would be really useful to know about what support is available, you can go back to episode four and listen. But just as a quick recap, we talk about things like the Disabled Students Allowance, or we call that the DSA, at Cardiff, we have the Student Connect team, or also known as the Student Support team, and they've created a one-stop shop where students can go with their query, and they then help you to find which teams can provide the support. And for students who do go through the Disabled Students Allowance, there may be additional support like a note taker or help with planning, time management, study skills, and adapting your work. So there really is so much out there, and I think it's worth investigating and doing a bit of research to find out what universities are able to offer you if, if any of the listeners are considering going. So Ian, I suppose what might be helpful is if you could tell us a bit about your experience of accessing student support. In brief, it's been wonderful. I've had conversations with people and parents of other autistic kids back home, or autistic young people rather, and a lot of times there's a history with issues in accessing support, whether that be, you know, in primary or secondary education or further education. It can be difficult at university. It's been truly amazing. Like you said, there is a lot, but I've been able to access everything I needed. I never felt like I was being held back by anything. If I needed the support, it was there. But also on the same hand, if I needed some time apart from it and time to sort of just, you know, miss out a couple of appointments or, you know, or or felt like I didn't really need help in this area anymore and more needed it in this area. It's been really good to have that as I needed it. And I never felt like I was left waiting too long or that I wasn't their priority. It's been really good. That's really helpful to know. Thanks. And I wonder, could you briefly talk us through the process of getting the disabled students allowance? Because I think you accessed that as well, didn't you? Yes, I did. So I accessed uh, Disabled Students Allowance DSA in my capacity as an autistic. It's a, it's a process that looks very scary when you read about it online, but it's not as it's not as bad as it may seem. And also, I think it's best to keep in mind that DSA carries over year to year. So you only have to do that once in your undergraduate experience, whether that be three or four years. You've not got to be reassessed every year unless you know unless you need extra support Uh, but the rough idea is that you will fill out a form whether it be online or by post Uh, you will have to enclose evidence of your condition whether uh, that was for me a letter from my doctor uh, combined with my original diagnosis but it can vary depending on conditions and and also when you got your diagnosis and lots of other factors You'll then be invited to attend a needs assessment. This was in the next town over for me. It wasn't too far to travel. The lady who did my needs assessment with me, she was lovely. I think a lot of autistic people and a lot of disabled people are worried about assessments after things like PIP and and things like that can be quite scary. But I had nothing but good things in my DSA experience. She helped me through exactly what I needed and what support I could access and and really went above and beyond in securing that they will then write a report which will then be sent to 
back to student finance and I got a copy of it, but this can vary depending on country. I think whether or not you get a copy of this initial report, you then have to wait a, f- a few weeks, uh, sometimes sooner. For me, I think it was within the week, but I did it very early. And you will then be told this is the list of of support you will get and you then have DSA and it will appear on your student finance account if you log in and you also have the forms saved if you need to check things that will all be sent to your your university as well or you can send it yourself in some instances to the support services you need to access and yeah it was all relatively obviously it's extra work but the support is worth it and it could have been much, much worse. And I don't think it could have been much better. That's really interesting. But what strikes me just listening to you is I'll quite often say to prospective students, when you apply to university, you really should disclose your disability and you should go through the process for DSA. And I think it's quite easy for me as someone who hasn't needed that extra support to say to other people, do it. It's the right thing to do. And I maybe can't relate to the same way, you know, as some of the concerns that they might have about disclosing, because, you know, understandably, they can be a bit of concern or worry about telling people about any conditions or additional support that people might need. So I'm just wondering from your perspective, having gone through it and disclosed and got support, would you recommend to students who are considering university that they disclose any support they might need? So I think going through the process as early as possible. I think I started applying for DSA as soon as physically possible. I can't remember the exact dates, but I think I literally waited until the day it was. I was able to apply for the academic year I was starting and applied immediately. And I got it done about three to four months, I think, before I went to university. I had the finished report and this was before I'd even finished my A-levels, I think. And having that done as well in advance, you know what support you're getting can be really invaluable. I had a friend who obviously will will go nameless, but I've had friends and autistic autistic students who have gone through the process while at university because they didn't realize that that support was available to them. And they got through it fine, but it was certainly an extra stress on top of all that independence and, and management. And it's best to do that while you're in a safer home environment, while you've got your family support as well, because you're allowed to have a guardian with you in needs assessment. So it's great to have them with you if you can't get certain words out or if they need to help kind of guide you. My mother was, you know, was phenomenal in making sure that, you know, I was I was being treated properly during the whole process. But the overall, yeah, I would 100% agree that get it done as soon as possible because you will you will then know what support to expect. You can then put in for you can kind of look well I'm not getting support in this area maybe I can have a look at what the university offers for this other area it can be really really useful to have that before you even leave home or or start university if you live at home to make sure that you've got that when I got it done I received two different mentors I had a third one added on in my second year of uni I have a an autism mentor who works with uh, ASC Kamaru They are phenomenal. They have been nothing but kind and amazing pre, during, and now post-pandemic. 
they adapted really well. They always listened to me and they've always pointed me in the right direction for resources. I have a mental health mentor who works within the university, within Cardiff Connect or the Student Support Centre. She is phenomenal. She helps me a lot more with the actual academic side, so organizing timetables, making sure I keep deadlines, talking about how to write emails and approach lecturers if I need extra help. And also then looking at the kind of the more psychological side of how do you manage mental health while at university. And finally, I have uh, study skills support, which again is sort of things like note taking, essay writing. That can be really helpful. You can access that regardless of DSA, but it can help if you want one on one sessions, and things like that. Uh, I also received a printer and a laptop. For English students, you have to pay the first £200 towards a laptop, but they will fund the rest. I think Wales and Scotland and Ireland are different, so I can only speak for Student Finance England. But I got the laptop and decent amount of my laptop funded, and I got the printer fully funded. That also then came with a printer bursary, I think, of about £180, recognition of the fact that there was lots of extra printing I had to do because I, I find it quite difficult to process words on a screen as opposed to paper in the hand. So they allocated me extra money so that I could fund the extra ink and printing and I just send off an invoice for that. That's no hassle really. And then they also funded programs. Uh, so I have Sonascent, which also came with a portable recorder. This was more of a problem pre-COVID but the, uh, it's for recording lectures and making sure that you can then use the program to mark sections of things you need to revisit, which was really helpful. Say if I, you know, if I felt a meltdown coming on, if I need to step out, I could leave the recording going and then mark what sections I needed to re-listen to. I have MindView, which is a really good mind mapping software. It can obviously help you kind of diagram your thoughts in a visual way. Uh, I have Dragon and ClaraRead, which are both really good reading softwares uh, to read words on the screen to you. If your eyes are getting tired or if your brain's kind of going fuzzy and you'd be better to listen rather than just to read. And I also have Global Autocorrect, uh, which is very helpful because it, it fixes spelling mistakes behind the scenes. So if there are any really obvious ones where there's only really one answer of what you were trying to do, it will just override it. Uh, I've never had any issues with it overriding things it shouldn't have. And it feels a lot better because you don't feel as guilty staring at that screen of red on Word. But yeah, so all the support I've been able to access has been wonderful. And that's just, and I, I personally think I'm on the lower end of support that could be accessed through DSA. There's lots more stuff you could get. So especially knowing I had all of that coming into university, I got to get to grips with those programs before I started my course. It was really invaluable to get that done sooner rather than later. That's really insightful, Ian, and thanks for sharing it, because I know it's quite personal to talk about the support that you've received, but I think it'll be really helpful for listeners to hear from someone who's receiving that support to get an idea of the kinds of things that are available. And I think, as you just alluded to, you know, it is different for everyone. So the whole idea of this is that it's tailored to your needs, and it's worth, for anyone listening, bearing in mind that it might look different for them to, to what it looks like for you. And also the process for DSA and what's covered changes sometimes between years, hopefully not too drastically, but it's worth bearing that in mind as well. So yeah, thanks for sharing that with us. Okay, now we're going we're gonna to change topics a little bit and speak about making the most of university. So there's lots of opportunities on offer at university that we've spoken about previously. 
And we're going to talk about one today called Go Wales, which Ian has been a part of at Cardiff University. So Go Wales is a program which supports university students in getting work placements. So for certain industries in particular, there are certain students that are underrepresented. There's people that might not have the same level of access to get placements through family or friends or connections. And also those who might not have had the same level of support at school or from their family in interview techniques and writing applications. So at Cardiff, there's this team, Go Wales, which support current students in getting those work placements to help them move on after university into their chosen you know, their chosen career and their chosen job. So as an example, Ian has been a part of Go Wales previously. What made you think to take part in Go Wales and make the most of their programme, if you can remember? Yeah, of course. So I originally found out about Go Wales via, I don't think it's called the Freshers' Fair. It's the other fair that happens within a couple of days of the Freshers' Fair. I think it's like the volunteering fair or the careers fair, but I attended both and would recommend both, but I went to the other fair that's not the Freshers' Fair and they had a panel there and I met some of the people who helped work on the project and I got talking to them and I got to gauge what they offered because I didn't really understand prior. I'd seen their signs around the Student Support Centre but I didn't realise the extent to which they were able to help and help me find placements. So I spoke to them and got their email, uh, emailed in, got signed up, and I joined the programme. That's really interesting. So could you tell us what placement you had? So I had three in my in my time. One was a in-person placement, and the other two were entirely digital, because uh, obviously because of COVID. The first one was with uh, Blackfords LLP, which is a solicitor's firm in Cardiff. They were lovely. I had a week-long placement with them where I got to attend magistrate's court. I got to sit in on some cases and I got to sit in on their talks to clients. I got to read through case files. It was a really insightful experience and the people who worked there, the solicitors, were, were lovely. And they were kind and they knew to expect someone with maybe some eccentricities. And they, you know, they handled it all in their stride and they were very kind and answered my questions. And I can't speak highly enough of them. They were really lovely. And even the day I went and sat in in court, which was a bit scary for someone who's never, who's never been, uh, I suppose that's a good thing. But I got to meet the magistrates and uh, both barristers. And well, I had interactions with the clients. I'm limited in what I can say because of NDAs. But they were all wonderful, really nice, kind people. And it got me very familiar with the court proceedings and how it worked. And it really reinforced that, you know, this was a career I wanted to pursue. Once COVID had started, I had a virtual experience. Uh, they called it a meet the professionals experience with uh, Horwich Farrelly which is a solicitor's firm. They have basis in Cardiff and in London, I think, and maybe Bristol, but don't quote me on that. And they they were lovely. I got to meet with their head of HR as well as some of their solicitors, and I got to sit in on one of their daily kind of meetings. So I got to sort of see what do solicitors do, what do the paralegals do. Again, they were really nice. They were really lovely. They expected me, and they were really kind and got to ask a lot of questions. 
and got to kind of feel my way around being a solicitor and whether or not that was something I wanted to do. After that, I had my final placement with them, which was with Civitas Law in Cardiff, which is a chambers. They were also wonderful. I had meetings with them. I had a few virtual ones. I met three different barristers and I'm currently scheduling in an in-person experience with them because they were kind enough to offer that to me once the pandemic was over. But this is entirely organized on my end through the contacts I made through Go Wales. So I can't talk them up enough. But the especially the barristers who worked with Civitas Law one of them had even uh, was slightly late to one of our meetings, but because uh, Case had overran and he had to jump in his car and, f- and join the Zoom call on his phone, and um, was very kind and sat there and talked to me and let me ask my questions regardless. So really, really nice, kind people all around and really helped me understand what the career I was getting myself in for was because it's all well and good studying these things and doing some volunteer opportunities but getting to meet the people who work this job and have worked it for 20, 30 years, it was really wonderful. And getting to pick their brains and figure out where I wanted to go on the spectrum of solicitor to barrister, uh, I don't think I could have made as well-informed decisions without Go Wales fighting my corner and supporting me. That sounds great. And it's really good to hear that there are companies out there that are embracing diversity and understanding that having a diverse workforce brings something as well and that there's a there's a strength in that. So great to know which places, which placements you had. So in terms of the experiences, do you think they were useful for helping you to look for work after your graduation this summer? Absolutely. I'm more than happy to to disclose slash brag that I achieved a bar course scholarship at one of the inns of court. You can definitely brag about that. Yeah, definitely. Which means that they are funding the next stage of my barrister education. I decided I wanted to be a barrister and they are providing me full accommodation in London and I get to study rent-free in their halls, which is truly wonderful. So I definitely think that I have achieved and so, and I don't think I would have had the interview skills and the confidence to walk into the to the inn and and speak to them and and really kind of otherwise, I think I would have just if you'd asked pre go Wales me and pre university me to do that, I would have said not in a million years, but it really helped me build the confidence to realize that these are just people, and it's one of the it's one of those things that we all know, but it's different when you actually get to meet them and talk to them and l- Loads of them are really down-to-earth people who seem really nice and kind. And I never felt out of place when when talking to these people. It also helped me, again, make the connections I needed to seek out work placements. I don't think I would have been offered interview for this scholarship if I hadn't demonstrated my work experience. And even now, the fact that I'm organizing a a shadowing opportunity with a barrister in Cardiff, which are very sought-after opportunities at the best of times through the connections I've made with Go Wales is wonderful and it's made it's helped me build up a strong LinkedIn profile as well of of connections I've made and people I can reach out to and talk to and I think I wouldn't have had the confidence in my my secondary bar course scholarship interview they asked me if I could change one thing about the inn and how it was run what would I do and I had the confidence that Go Wales had helped me with and to be frank enough to say, 
I'd like to put more neurodiversity on display. I think that there is very little that you can find just through Google or through searching around. And I've been assured that there are lots of neurodiverse people in the profession, but I've never been directed to them. I've never seen them advertised or their confessionals or anything like that. And I don't think I would have had the confidence to say you need to embrace neurodiversity more if I hadn't met these other legal professionals who had shown me that it is, it is done and that it can be done. That's, it's really cool. There's such a great story that, you know, and such a great achievement to get on that scholarship. You're going to be living it up in London, Ian. That's going to be great. I know there's a lot of work as well. I know it's going to be stressful, but how, how do you feel about moving to London? Have you been there much already or? I originally, I'm based in Surrey, which sounds very posh. It's not as posh people think, (laughs) but I come from quite a humble background so uh, living in London, central London, that was sort of like, that was a day trip you'd do once a year, uh, was to get the train to London and go and look around the museums and things, anything that was cheap. And it was it was phenomenal. One of the things that I think I still can't get over, and I, I talk about it very often, is the, the fact that the inns have doormen whose main role seems to be just to open and close doors behind you, <laughs> uh, which I will never get used to. And I've said that even though I'm going to live on site, I don't think I'll ever be comfortable having someone open doors <laughs> for me regularly. But that's that's just me, I suppose. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Good. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that is almost all of our questions. So we have one more for you. and. Before I ask it, I want to say again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been really great to speak to you. And I'm sure that almost everything that you said will be incredibly useful for our listeners. So our last question is, if you could give advice to your younger self about coming to university and how to settle in and make the most of it, what would you say? I'd say take it at your own pace. I think... Uh, there's a lot of pressure when you meet lots of new people, especially everyone has got their own, you know, it comes from every background, every race, every gender, various neurodiversity, disabilities, everything. University is such a diverse place, full of diverse people. I've met people from every continent and most countries in the world. And everyone has been different. No one's done the same things. No one's had the same methods. It has all been so liberating to meet everyone and to get to talk to them about their lives. And so to my younger self, just take it at your own pace. You know, as long as you're keeping on top of your work and you're turning in those assignments and that's the minimum that needs to be done and you can build around that and just take it at your own pace you don't have to do too much but you don't have to do too little just go with the flow and do whatever makes you happy and makes you comfortable while you're here and enjoy it in the next episode we'll be joined by another guest jordan who is currently studying a phd jordan will speak about recently getting an autism diagnosis and autism and gender if you'd like to find out more about this podcast or any of the programs we run you can visit our website, cardiff.ac.uk, follow us on Twitter at cu underscore outreach, or drop us an email on outreach at cardiff.ac.uk. Thanks for listening.